Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. This evening joins us Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, Jeremy. Jeremy, Jeremy. Jeremy's here. Hello. Hi. How are you, man? I'm good. Did you hear that? Yeah, I hear you. Oh, oh, look. No, no, no. Listen. I, I have sound effects at my desk now. I'm so excited. You're at your desk? Is that what you said? Yes. I love it. I love it. I feel like a real radio star. I have buttons to push. I have things to play with. I'm excited. You're funny. Uh, How how are are you? you? I've been good. The week has been good. Um, Let's see. Let's see. What what to talk about? What to talk about? What to talk about? What to talk about? Oh, we got a new toy for the dog. Yeah? Yes, it's called a chucket. And what's that do? You throw it. And she loves it. She loves the damn thing. It's it's this orange, square orange thing. It's got the face of a squirrel on it. And uh. it says chuck it across it. And, and then you do what, you, what it says to do and you chuck it. So it's kind of something you can play fetch with. Exactly. Very good. I I'm think my dog would like you. that. No, I think you would like that. Nah, probably not. No, I bet you would. I bet you would. So, so other than the new oh, yeah. dog toy. No, no, no. Yeah. Um. Okay. So other than other than a new toy, hold on. I'm having a sip of my Mister Pib. Um. Uh, the first five day. Work week of of work has been great, um, and all I can say for those of you, I, I'm not allowed to talk about the company, you know. Um, other than all I can say is that it's a major telecom um, company in in North America and Europe. That's all I can say. Well, that's great. So, Congratulations on the new job. It is. I love it, and I and I work from home, Robert. That's and, awesome. It is. It's great. And uh, it was like one day last week. It was so beautiful outside. I picked up my laptop. I went out to my deck and I worked. I, I took phone calls out there and and I worked. It was it was beautiful. It was great. Anyway, so how about you? How have you been? What's been going on? Because I think I have a week coming up. I think I have next Sunday off. I believe. Yes, yes, uh, that is true. Um, this week actually was uh, pretty good. Um, we are doing a lot of stuff working with the mobile site for the, the network here. And um, actually, this yesterday, I went to my cousin's graduation party. Um, and Aww. his cousin's dad is kind, of, it's kind of like, no, no, it's high school, but he's not like, he's not my first cousin. He's kind of like my wait, second or fourth, actually third wait, cousin. Wait, wait, stop, stop. Did you say preschool, a preschool graduation? High school. Play school? Are you serious? High school. Oh, high school. High school. I get it with you. Okay, I'm with you. I'm I'm here. Well, I don't know if you're here with us. <laughs> um, but I went no, there honestly, yesterday. I, honest, and... I, no, honestly, I, I thought you said preschool. I'm like, <laughs> I have a preschool so, graduation. So, so we, we went there, and it's, you know, with my dad's side of the family, so I don't get to see them too often. Um, this is... Um, the Lebanese side, so when I know that when we were going, there, we were going to get all, you know, yeah. Did you Lebanese, say lesbianese? Lesbianese. We're going to get all this great food. So it's like all Africa women on your dad's side of the family. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you we, off. 
Will you just let me finish? I'm please? in a mood. I'm, I'm in a really good mood tonight, Robert. I've had a oh, very good. good evening. We, we've, we've sat outside. We relaxed. We had a really nice meal, and I'm just, I feel good. Well, that's good. Okay. Let me finish. Okay. Um, anyway, let's So we yeah. we went there and we were going to have you know good food and just food that it reminds me of growing up with my dad and going to my grandparents and just visiting that family. So and it's been a long time. So I went and one of um, my cousins actually um, who who passed away when I was 13 years old um, actually uh, was the only cousin that I ever knew or anybody in my family that um, was gay and that was also HIV positive. Um, and he uh, was diagnosed, I believe, in 91, I think, and passed away in 93. So wow. he's actually coming up, um, or actually 92, so they're actually coming up on 20 years. And I heard okay. stories about wait my cousin. Wait, wait a minute, Robert. Hold on. You just said something that struck a chord with me. Did you say 23? No, or 1993, 20 years? 1999, no, no. He, I had the date wrong. It's 92, which when he passed away. <sighs> that doesn't so this help year me. is 20 years. Because I graduated high school in 93. <laughs> Do you know how old that's okay. feels? You know, anyway, I, okay, listen, this isn't about me. I graduated, about your cousin. I graduated eighth grade in 93, so how old does that make you feel now? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, I, you know, I, I always heard stories Jerk. about, you know, my cousin. You know who passed away, and I was young. I only met him when I was really little, and I, I knew that he passed away, you know, from AIDS or, or complications to it, you know. And I didn't know anything else about it. And this was like the first time that I actually was seeing the side of the family where I felt comfortable to approach them about the situation, because he's the only person in my family who is get who you know who was gay, and he's also HIV positive. So I felt like I had this personal connection with my cousin, who I don't really remember. You know what I mean? So I wanted to know more about my cousin, and I knew that one of my other cousins actually uh, made an AIDS quilt for him last year or or the last two years. And I wanted to find out more about it, you know, because, like I said, I don't know anything about it. So I sat down with two of the sisters, two of my cousins, and we sat there for about 40 minutes and just talked about my cousin. I learned so much about this man and how, you know, to be diagnosed Back in, 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 in the you know in the eighties and the nineties when things were so horrible, this was before he was on AZT. So this is you know they say that, that this was what probably you know hurt him and why he wasn't able to survive because the good medications, the antivirals weren't out yet. You know these weren't around, so it's a shame. But I want to share his story and find a way to do this. And what they're going to do is uh, they're going to mail me the quilt, and I'm going to take it to DC at the conference with me. And I'm going to find a way to get that displayed somewhere because I, I just feel that it's important for his story to be told. Nobody's ever told his story. And, well, I, and, I think that's a great idea. Me. Yeah, and I, it really moved me idea. talking with them. So I don't know how so, to do it. So I don't what, know who i got to connect with. But, but forget about the quilt for a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm going to interview you, Robert, because we didn't, I don't think I've ever interviewed you. Maybe that's a good, good story. That's a good show sometime in the future. So I'll interview you. You'll be the guest. Anyway, so um, so what was it like to learn about a family member that you barely remember and that you have such a close connection to? It was, it was emotional. It was very uh, emotional to see my cousins talk about him and, and have these memories and you know what I mean? And talk, she's like, I haven't, you know, even thought about it. And then when after we discussed it, they realized that, you know, this year would be 20 years, you know, this November. And they were like, would, would be you, 20 years, and wow. Do, do you think they would be willing to come on and talk about that? Um, my, They may. They may be interested. They didn't even know what I did. You know, they didn't know that we, we have the program here and about Pazai and the network and all that. So I basically told them what I was doing, and they were like flabbergasted. And they were, like, so touched by it. And I found out that my cousin went down to D.C. and saw the quilt when the quilt was laid out, and they did a candlelight vigil down there and marched. Um, and it just touched me because I never knew that. I never knew that they would they were that supportive or, you know, anything about it. So to know that they were so supportive from the beginning when their brother came out to them to somebody who was gay, and then when they talked about coming out, you know, when he was diagnosed with HIV, and being so supportive and helping him and going to these 
you know, meetings with him, and then they would go to meetings after he passed away to help deal with it. It was just really, really comforting to know that they were very supportive. So, so what now? I mean, this was this was this weekend, right? This this past this week. This was yesterday. Yesterday. This was yesterday. So, so what about now? I mean, here you are. You are. Um, let's see. So, uh, so let me back up for a minute. Your cousin, diagnosed in the 80s, passed away in 92, 93. No, he was diagnosed in 91. So he only, like, oh. lived a year, year and a half with Oh, my God. So, so yes. he was the typical, um, the typical statistic. Diagnosed right. and dead in, like, 18 to 24 months. All right. Wow. It, what? How do they feel about you? Almost being the and 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 I'm going to say this, and it's probably going to sound all wrong, but you are the embodiment of your cousin. You're gay. I'm assuming he was gay. Was he gay? Yes. Okay. Okay. And it's bad for me to make those assumptions, and I and I just want to let all of our listeners know that it's bad for any of us to make those assumptions. That just because you're HIV positive, doesn't mean you're gay. Oh, right. God. Anyway, so so, you know, here he is. Here you, and, and I should say, here you are. Um, gay. Wait, are you gay? All the way. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, those of you who are still in in a monastery, a nunnery, close your ears. So, you are. See how how old was he when he died? Um, he you know? was thirty three. He was thirty six. I'm sorry, thirty six. Okay, and you are thirty two. I'm thirty three. Okay, you're thirty three. So you're about the same age. Mm-hmm. All right. So so it, how how was that to talk with his sisters? And I'm, I'm you said sisters, so I'm assuming yeah, two of them. Okay, so two mm-hmm. of them. How was it? How was it to talk to both of them? And knowing that you're the same age, you're gay. And you're HIV positive. It was, I think, one of... I was so inspired by the time I left the conversation and and I I left there. I I felt like I connected with my family on a level that I never connected with them before. See, I... And your dad died, right? Yeah, I see see Michael on on the line. I'm just going to bring him on in a little bit. So just hold on, Michael. I see you there. Um, My dad's side of the family... You know, I, I shared before, uh, the Lebanese side is actually my, my side, my dad's side of the family, but not blood. Um, my dad's biological father uh, and my real grandfather passed away. So my, gran- you know, he's, my grandfather's my grandfather. He met, met my grandmother, and they married. My dad was two years old, I think, when they met, and, you know, the rest is history. So they're my family. Blood doesn't equal family. I get that. But, you know, so there isn't, like, a biological, like, a, a link to us genetically, but I think... It just, it just connected me on a different way, and it left me so uplifting that I felt like I had the support of all of them. The one cousin turned around to me and said, if you go to D.C., I want to go with you to see the quilt. You know what I mean? So I was just so moved that people were talking openly about being gay and being HIV positive at my family function, and it wasn't something that I was, like, ashamed to talk about around all these other people who I didn't know who were just friends of my cousins who were there from high school. Wow. So it was just really cool to have that open conversation. So enough about me. We'll talk about that. As no, 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 no. We can't just, like, leave it off. We, we, we just can't leave it like that, Robert. I'm sorry. Not enough about you. So here's what we're going to do. Boys and girls who are listening, yours truly, Mr. Jeremy Dunn, is going to work with Robert, and we are going to figure out a time that um, that Jeremy can interview Robert because Robert's never been interviewed on the Pause I Am show. And uh, so, do we have a commitment from you, Robert, that uh, that we're going to have an interview? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. So then we're going to do it. 
So now, now we can bring <laughs> Michael on. All right? Yeah, let's bring now we can bring him on. Welcome, uh, Michael Lloyd, to the show. Are you there? Michael, are you there? Michael, are you there? Michael, are you there? Can you say hello, Michael? Yes, how are you guys doing? Oh, there yeah, he is. There he is. We're great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How was your day today? Oh, my gosh. My day was, um, well, let me tell you about my day. It won't take long. I laid on the couch for about six hours and watched that really bad TV all day, including that really bad Disney movie, John Carter. Yeah, we'll oh, get God. into that later. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't going anywhere. I laid hmm. there. I, I, My dog was taking a nap with me. It was good times. <sighs> Well, it sounds quite relaxing, though, so it must have... It oh, must have my God, that, it was so relaxing, which is why I'm in the mood I'm in now. Well, so, good. it's all on you, baby. How well, I just want to thank you both, actually, for having me on the show, so I really appreciate it. Oh. Well, we're excited Thanks. to have you on, Michael. You know... Um, thank you. You, you. you were one of the... One of the people who reached out to me in the very beginning when I started doing all this work, so um, to, to have you on is actually a, an honor myself, I, I believe. Wait, 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 wait. Robert. What? He reached out to you when you were doing, when you started this? When He's I 22. started? When, listen, when, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later, okay? Okay, um, all right. So, I just want to make sure that you weren't like some, like, you know, perv and you didn't show me the pictures. Anyway. Oh, well, God. Um, so, Michael, uh, tell us yes. um, kind of how it started for you. I don't know where you want to start um, with telling the story. If you just want to start about uh, when you were diagnosed and what made you go get tested. Sure. Um, at the time, it was actually January 26, 2010. Um, I remember the day like it was yesterday, obviously. Um, <clears throat> it was kind of a weird day. I was actually hanging out with a friend, and we weren't really, like, dating, but we were seeing each other. And uh-huh. we were kind of fooling around, and it was unprotected. And he said, hey, have you been tested recently? And I said, no, I'm not in, like, six months. And he said, oh, well, can we go? I said, yeah, of course, why not? So it was one of those weird things, like, I hadn't been in six months, and, you know, I was obviously seeing somebody, so I wanted to go and get tested. So I it was, I don't know, I went in there, and it took, like, 20 minutes, and they came back out. And obviously they don't tell you that you're, like, positive, but they say that you're reactive, so kind of a weird day, but it's been a, a good journey, though. So, so now, tell me, a, wait, wait, hold on. So, so did you have the, the saliva test, or what did you have done? No, the I had the... 20-minute rapid? Yeah, I did the 20-minute uh, rapid test. Okay, and, and then and then after that, did you have the Western blot to confirm? Well, um, I was actually on... Actually, I was blogging just the other day. Like, I was going through my own blogs today, just, like, reading what I've written over the past couple of years, and um, it was all a complete blur to me. I mean, I was sitting there, and they told me I was reactive, and there was a doctor, and there was a nurse sitting there, and within, like, 20 seconds, they were, like, putting a Band-Aid on my arm because they did the Western blot test, and they said, well, we'll call you back in two weeks and let you know what this says. I said, okay. So it was... I wasn't really in shock. It was one of those things, like... I wasn't really scared. I was just more so prepared myself to say, okay, what do I have to do next? So, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, before, before we go further down this road, um, so when you went in, and I want to go back a step, back a day or so, sure. when, right. when um, this person of interest, said, do you want to mm-hmm. go get tested? And you said you hadn't been tested in six months. Correct. What were what were you thinking at that point in time of that he said, you know what, let's go get tested together? That exact moment I had a cigarette in my hand, and he said, let's go get tested. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. So I put the cigarette down and looked at him funny, and I remember just getting in the car and going, and his mother actually um, had passed away from AIDS, actually, and... um kind of a touchy subject, I guess, but um, we still keep in contact here and there, but um, I was really confused. I mean, I was negative on my prior test and really wasn't, I 
truthfully had been playing around promiscuously and was getting involved in like the whole party like PMP lifestyle so I really wasn't playing safe at the time so I wasn't looking for HIV or any STDs but at the same time like I was kind of scared in a way I wasn't really sure what was going to happen or what was to be expected so I was kind of scared now when um I know what the Michael I just wanted to ask you when uh yeah when shit it totally just left my friggin' head the whole question, when, when, were, were you educated about HIV and AIDS before you went and got tested and when you were having, you know, doing risky things, were you educated about it beforehand or did you, what did you know about it? Because you said you weren't going all out I, looking for it, so. Right. Well, all I really knew is I knew, like, I mean, from the moment that I told my um, parents that I, that I did come out and. Pretty much after we did discuss that whole thing and after we kind of got that under my belt and under our belts, um, my parents had always told me, okay, you don't want to get AIDS, you don't want to get HIV. And I did research on my own here and there, and I didn't really, like, do deep research on it because I guess I was one of those people at the time who said, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Just like I was that same little boy who said, oh, I'm never going to smoke a cigarette or I'm never going to drink. And, you know, I guess... Some of us who say those things are the ones later in life who are the ones who go, you know, headfirst down that path. Michael, Michael, yes, you're my yeah, you're my mirror image twenty years ago. Really? (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk later after the show, but keep going. Um, but as far as like the knowledge goes, I was really naive. I trusted in a lot of. I've always liked older guys and older people since, like, my mom, like, my parents can actually, you know, I guess contest to this, but since I was a little kid, I always used to sit with the older crowd or when all the other kids in the group used to go play in the other room, I would sit in the room with the adults and listen to the conversation, and whether or not I participated, I absorbed as much knowledge as I could, but at that point, when I did come out, I was really unsure of who to turn to and, like, who to go to for advice. So I gravitated towards older people, older men typically. And the majority of them took advantage of me in different ways. And unfortunately, it went down a path where I lost a lot of respect for myself. And that's when I started to do the whole P&P lifestyle and the unprotected sex and wasn't taking care of myself. And that's funny because uh, okay, when you so say that... Please, uh, well, I, I'm sorry, before yeah. we get into all of that, Sure. Um, Michael, yes. I don't want to go down a, a path of questioning here that um, you will be uncomfortable with, but I want to ask the question, Was were you ever abused before you were um, of age? You know, my mother um, has asked me that before, and I don't really think I have. I The first time I ever did have sexual encounters with anyone, I was 16, 17, um, which, well, that, that, you know, that's young. Know, but, that, 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 right, it is and, young. And, and that's young, you know, but uh, there, there's, you know, the legality of, of all of that is it varies state by state. So, I mean, right. in some states, a uh, boy can be 16 and a girl has to be, I forget how old the girls have to be because I really didn't really think about girls at that point. No, it's still time. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> But um, what I, I I hope that uh, that you know as we work through this hour that uh, we we you know you might be able to uncover some of those some of those questions. Anyway, I will let you go, Robert. Go. So, uh, Michael, when you came out to your parents uh, as yes. gay, how was that reaction to them? Because you know. Um, you you were adopted, so, you know what I mean? How was that for them to be, you know, how did they react? Well, um, I think they're listening right now, so I just want to tell them both that I love them very much. Um, it's really diff- – it's not a difficult subject. Um, my parents work for a Christian missionary organization, so I've been raised very religious, and I do believe in God, and it's been like a kind of a battle between that whole social wrong and what's been taught to me as I grew up. So that was kind of weird because I came out when I was, like, in eighth grade, and it was kind of, like, I was kind of scared, too, and I actually, it was kind of funny. I didn't actually tell my parents I was positive. The person that I was dating at the time came back to my mom and said, hey, by the way, your son has HIV, and he's 
a meth head. So kind of a crappy wow. situation on that note. And with the whole gay thing, I basically it was eighth grade, ninth grade, and my parents were really they wanted me to go to counseling, and I was open to it. Um, and I did go to counseling for a little while, and it was a tough time for a couple of years because I really wasn't sure who I was. Mm-hmm. And are you there? Where'd he go? I don't know. I think I lost him. Is he still on, Michael? Michael, we see that you're still um, okay. Um, maybe we lost Michael for a few minutes. Uh, Michael, yeah, we'll if you're, if you're listening and, and you can hear us, please please give us a call back. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, let's take a let's take a quick break while we wait for the call. Okay, back. sure. Let's let's take a quick break. Thirty seconds. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good, but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS. There you go. And we are back. I'm waiting for Michael to call back into the show. I think, I think got, he's back. Uh, Thank God. We're like having a freaking hurricane here. It's ridiculous. Sorry about that. <laughs> Michael, you're back. There you are. You're you're having a hurricane? Where the hell are you? Well, well I'm in Orlando. It's not a hurricane, but go figure. Oh, we get Orlando. the like, you know, okay. thunderstorms have to come tonight, right, when there's a great interview. So. Of course. It's all good, though. Oh, so back, though. Well, you do, being in Orlando, I hear there's, you know, like Tinkerbell. It's her fairy magic and pixie dust that's getting in the way. I guess so. I mean, oh I come really... on, Michael, Let, get, uh, help me here. It's Orlando <laughs> Disney World. Tinkerbell, give me a break. I mean, oh wow. I don't know. I always get asked if there's like, I mean, there's that misconception that everyone who works at Disney is gay, but I mean. I've never oh, worked no, there. Oh no, that's so. not true. I did. No. I worked at Disneyland when I'm in. When, uh, I grew up in uh, Southern California. Oh, the original. Cool. The original in Anaheim. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll talk. So let's oh, get yeah. back. Oh, yeah. Let's get anyway, back to you, Michael. It's not about me. Um, it's one about, of the things um, that you wanted to come on and basically talk about um, was also um, addiction. You know what I mean? Correct. And how you um, are working yourself to you know staying clean and everything like that. So um, you said somebody else actually told your parents that you were, you know, what you say, what was the words they used? You said meth head? Right. No, no, no. He okay. said, I believe what he said when he, before we lost him, was that okay. somebody went to your parents and said that you were HIV positive, and that person was a meth head. No, so. I was, the, but basically the afternoon I was over partying at someone's house, and I was on the computer on one of the websites, and I was talking to my boyfriend at the time, and I told him what I was doing, and he knew I had an issue with drugs, and he recently, I told him that I was positive, and he wasn't, and he called my parents and basically said, your son has HIV, and he's a meth head. Ah, gotcha. So, I didn't really have the time to face my parents dead in the eyes, but when I finally did get the opportunity, I came home one day, and I remember it clearly, my mom, dad, walked, like, hey, can we talk to you in, you know, in our room, and I said, sure, let's go, and I could tell in my mom's eyes she was not going to cry, but you know when you, when you look at your parents and they have that look in their face, and they said, is it true? And I said, yeah, and the first thing out of their mouth was, what can we do to help you? So, wow. Well, that's great. Yes. They, just, awesome. they love you. They do. They love you very much, and I love them very much, too. So what did you do? Um, For partying? What did, no, 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 no. Oh, well, in regards to that, yes, you can answer that Sorry. as well. In re, no, no, your drug of choice at the time when, you know, what was it? Um, it was meth. It was meth. Okay, so where did you go to get help after that? How did you get help after they said, how can we help you? What did what was the plan? What did you do? Um, at that time, the plan was I was still, I mean, I stayed home for a while, and I was going to, like, the Orange County Health Department here in Orlando. And for a while, I still was unable to deal with the fact that I had HIV. And I was like, I felt sorry for myself. And I was like, oh, my life sucks. And then finally, I, you know, off and on for the past year and a half of still doing drugs, actually. I was still incapable of looking myself in the mirror. Um, 
my like turning point was within the past six months. I actually called the cops on myself and was arrested and went to rehab. So that was kind of my so turning point. Can, can we put some time in? It, I want to put a little bit of perspective of time of in all of this. Yes. <laughs> all right. When were you diagnosed as HIV positive? How many years? I was, I was diagnosed January 26th of 2010, so two and a half years ago. Okay, so two and a half years ago. You are how old? I'm 22. Okay, so so I, what I want to let our listeners know, and by the way, it is the bottom of the hour, and we're already here. Um, so we have 30 minutes left of the show, um, and uh, we'll be opening up our phone lines in just a few minutes. Um, you're 22. It was yes. two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. You weren't even old enough to buy alcohol in most states. Correct. Okay. I was a wild and, child. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, so two and a half years, you're 22. This is all still very new for you. Yes, it is. All right. So you were confronted or you, you told your parents mm-hmm. and from from your diagnosis to to when you told your parents, when was that? Um, it was about two and a half, three weeks until we actually looked. I mean, I'd been coming back and forth home when I was going out for the weekends, and it was about three weeks, and we finally sat down and talked about it. So it was three weeks after you were diagnosed? Yes. From when you went in for the initial for the initial test, I, yes. I'm just trying to give our listeners a, a semblance of time. Right. So, and, and for for our listeners to understand that um, Michael has moved very quickly from um, you know the 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 testing, the 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 diagnosis to disclosure to being on this show is <laughs> very fast. Very fast track. It is. Uh, and so this all happened very quickly for you. It it was a whirlwind. It was, and I've talked to Robert before, like countless times about it. And um, and many of you who do know me and my story, though, I mean, it's been a complete cloud. I mean, for like up until the past six months, I was just reckless behavior and did not care about myself. And people here in Orlando can probably contest to the fact that. I've done some really messed up things and probably screwed over a lot of people and hurt a lot of people and, you know, did not mean to so, at the time, but, yeah, go ahead. So what, because I, w- I want to go back to that statement in just a, yes. it, 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 we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute, but you made some choices. Correct. Um, that weren't always the pot, you know, weren't always good choices. Well said. Right. You know, and, and that's a very judgmental term, right? Good choice, bad choice, whatever. Right. Um, so you are where you are today. Correct. All right. And um Michael, so where are you today? Today I am sober at the moment. Um I am working on my, my um personal training certification through AFA at the moment. Um, because over the since I started meds, I started meds in January actually, and because um, for a while I was doing drugs and the doctors weren't going to give me, you know, meds if I was doing drugs. So um, I started meds and I started to see that my life was starting to get a lot better. And I saw my family really cared about me, and I started to wake up and snap out of that, you know, self-inflicting stage I was in, and started to care about my health and fitness and nutritional, and just I started to really pick myself up. So other than the personal training certification at the moment, um, my goals are pretty much to further my my involvement in, like, activism and to eventually perhaps one day do public speaking if that's, you know, if that's meant for me, it's meant, it's meant to be, so. Right. Michael, one of the things I wanted to also uh, talk about is tell you first that how courageous you are to come on and do this. And like Jeremy said, you have moved. Uh, very quickly in regards to being so openly public about being positive and doing videos and things like that. And it's amazing because it's 
we go through it differently, you know what I mean? And to, for you to be able to do it so quickly at only, what, two and a half years, you said, I think it's, right. it's commendable. So you should be applauded for that and for being so brave. And you're offering hope to all the young people who may be listening to the show who may be either putting themselves in risky behaviors or maybe newly diagnosed and feel like they don't know anybody. So they can go on right. Twitter and they can look for you on Twitter. If they're on Twitter, at, um, at Michael S. Lloyd. Um, uh, that's your handle there. And they can check you out there and get all your other information to follow you just so they can connect because a lot of young people feel alone um, and when they're diagnosed. So I think it's important for them to be able to reach you in some way. So that's one way. Another thing I want to talk about is I want you to talk about um, – how actually me and you first corresponded um, with, with everybody so that so they can understand kind of how we crossed paths, and then you can talk about why you started your blog. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I was diagnosed, I said, two years ago, and I saw that you posted something, I think it was the, the body, um, and it was actually the same day I was diagnosed, which I thought was completely ironic. And I think I messaged you, like, or like, sent you an email month later and it was I mean I know we talked about this on the phone earlier but there was a whole correlation between bathhouse and meth and HIV and that kind of clicked for me and I sent you a message and um I just I don't know there was you read stories and you read like you know you you read success stories of people who have overcome obstacles and I think there's just something about your blog in particular and in relation to what I was going through at that time said you know Michael I think you should send him a message and I did and I think you got back to me within two or three days after that. And and then from there, I mean, I'm glad that we stayed in touch, obviously. But I think, you know, it is it is important for people, what well, I did, like I, I reached out to you, and I think that is really, really important is people are afraid to reach out. And at the time, I don't know why I was afraid, but I'm glad that I did reach out to you, though. No, I did, too. And that's what I meant from the beginning, actually, Jeremy. When I started blogging for The Body, it was my very first blog. Uh, that I did called Evolution of a Cyber Activist, and it just kind of shared my story and where I came from. And that's how Michael first reached out to me, and we kind of stayed connected, you know, the whole time. And I think it's really cool um, because that that scenario, you reading a story and connecting with it is exactly why we do this radio show and exactly why uh, the, the Pause I Am Social Network is together. So I think that's great. Um, what is uh, the address for your blog, and, and tell us what you, what you do there, and then we're going to open the phone lines. Sure. My um my blog is called Giving Hope One Day at a Time dot blogspot dot com, and I've been blogging for about a year and a half. And what inspired me was kind of just obviously the whole drug thing. And I know many of you might be wondering actually the name of the uh, the uh, the interview today is Straight to the Point. And for those of you who have done the whole party thing, point would be because I was shooting up. So I think my biggest accomplishment in all of this is overcoming the whole shooting up thing and the slamming thing. And um, the whole blogging thing, I've actually written one blog in particular about slamming. And I think it's really, I've not blogged in a while and I need to, but just blogging for me is just something that I can, if I'm stressed out or angry or if I get the urge to, like, think about using again, I sit down at the computer and I just type away. And sometimes I don't even post half the stuff that I write, but it's just a way for me to express myself and help share my story. So I, I do want to talk about I, I you know since you brought that up about um, about thoughts of you know possibly using again or or looking to use um, besides blogging besides you know writing about it what you know what what are your you know so so a couple of things that we have some listeners that you know will you know are listening to this thinking you know I've got triggers. A, what are your triggers? And and B, how do you overcome those triggers? Well, my triggers are, I mean, it's kind of weird. I mean, my triggers are range from anything from alcohol to getting in a nasty argument to, and many of you can relate, and I don't know, Robert, if you I mean, I read in your blog, I mean, we related on the topic of the whole bathhouse thing. Many people in the party lifestyle associate drugs to sex, and for me it was sex, so it's been really hard for me to get back into the world of hooking up and having sex again because, for me, I associated sex and drugs or drugs and sex or alcohol mm-hmm. and sex, which then led to drugs. So what I usually do to overcome that, if I can't blog, I mean, I hang out with friends all the time, but I literally live at the gym 24-7. So that's kind of my way to, like, I, I just stay busy. I mean, I, I, like each of, I was just talking to a friend today who was with me the same day that 
I got the um, Western blot results back, and he said, what do you do to, like, stay healthy, and what have you done to keep yourself going? And I said, each and every day that I wake up and I see myself in the mirror and I see how good I look and I, and I, and I feel great and I see how proud everyone is around me, it's just more of a motivation each and every day to stay clean. You know, I think one of the things that you talked about really connected with me as, you know, a recovering addict myself, um, associating with drugs and sex and then sex kind of with um, acceptance and feeling right. good about yourself and confidence mm-hmm. and making you feel good because you scored. You know what I mean? So, like, that that feeling of, you know, wrapping it around, I, I understand that, and I think it's something that a lot of people who have dealt with addiction or maybe even, you know, who who deal with being gay, you know, they kind right. of force it into just the sex lifestyle because that's what they only know because you don't see two gay men on TV hugging each other and having a loving relationship. You know what I mean? So right. you feel that the only kind of relationship gay people have is sex because that's all you see. Because when you meet, for me, when I met people, I met people in the bars. And when you're at the bars right there, you were drinking, and you wanted to go home and you hooked up, you met people. You know, you made right. stupid decisions because you drank or you did drugs exactly. or whatever. Right. So I think that's, yeah, I, I totally can relate to that. I want to open up the phone lines. We've got about 20 minutes. So uh, you can call us here at the show and speak to Michael, 347-215-9442 and press the one button so we know you want to come on air. And uh, we can uh, take your questions or comments, definitely. Or shoot them also at uh, PauseIM on Twitter. So, Michael, recently you uh, did an AIDS walk there in Orlando. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you? It was my first AIDS walk, and I actually did it with Hope and Help, a organization in Central Florida that I actually have done a couple of fundraisers for and. I'm trying to get more actively involved with um, as they do the headdress ball this fall. But um, it was my first AIDS walk, and I really didn't know what to expect. And I actually raised a bunch of money for them for my birthday last year that I just donated. I had all my friends say, hey, give me money for my birthday, but I wanted to give it to charity. And I gave it to them, the same organization that did the AIDS walk. And this year, um, there was a good turnout. I think we turned out about $202,000 for Orlando. And I'm not sure how many people there were, but just, I think it was a really moving morning. I woke up and got downtown and walked around the lake and um, was with my ex at the time. But it was just really special to know that all these people were coming together to actually celebrate life and actually celebrate the opportunity to come together as individuals with HIV or ones who have lost loved ones with HIV or AIDS and actually come together and be happy and hold hands and smile and hug and share that you know, we're fighting, we're doing this. So it, it was a really powerful experience for me. That's awesome. We have a question here in the chat room coming from uh, Jeffrey. He says, uh, what made you start taking meds? Um, earlier in January this year, I actually came down with syphilis, and I thought I had something else, and I was just really sick. I looked ridiculously thin. I looked gross. I looked nasty. And I finally got to the point where I was in bed. I couldn't get out of bed. In syphilis, I had the red spots all over my body. And I was just like, screw this. I said, I'm done. Like, I need to go to the doctor. I'm sick of being told my my numbers are good. And my mom actually came in with me, and the doctor sat us down and said, hey, here's your options. Here's what you can do. And I actually, I started Complera. So it was, I actually started meds two years after I was diagnosed on that same day. So kind of ironic, I guess. I see. Uh, and, and speaking of Complair, just since you mentioned it, um, you know, the show is associated with the Pause.im network, and we just started a group on there for people who take Complair to share uh, stories and stuff like that. So, Michael, if you didn't check that out yet, you may want to, but uh, it's a, a new group, so you can check it out there on the on the social network here uh, at Pause.im because it's, you know, it's a place for us to, you know, share different things. We have one for a triple in Travada, and, you know, people are starting to be put on this Complair more and more often, and somebody suggested it. Uh, Christopher actually did uh, from the site, and, we thought we'd bring it on. We actually have a caller here, so I'm going to get him and bring them on. Uh, you're on the air with us. Who's this? Hello? Hi, who's this? Michael. Yes, how are you? No, this is Michael. Oh, how are Hi, you? Hi, Michael. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for calling Mike. in. Thank you. Um, Michael. It's Michael. Yes. yes um, oh, oh, hey, Michael. How are you? <laughs> you, you, know, you know your friends always stand behind you. Yes, thank you so much. You know, you know, I love you. Thank you. You know, I've known you for three, four years now, and what you're doing is 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 a great thing. You're helping a lot of people, and I've always stood behind you. I've never judged you. Your real friends would never judge you, no matter what you do or what you've done. 
That means the world to me. Thank you. And I actually really appreciate your friendship. And I know when I was diagnosed, you were nothing but love and support for me. So thank you very much. Because there's, there's, you're, you're still the same person. You haven't changed. I mean, it happens, and you, you're not gonna go away. We're still gonna be there. I mean, as friends, friends will always stand behind another friend. That's what friendship means. Friendship isn't just because you're healthy or you're this or you're that. Friendship is you go through the hard times. It's like a marriage. You 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 go through the easy times, you go through the best times, and you go through the hard times. That's what a real friend is. And that's why we've always been friends. Thank you. Well, you, you know, I love you. I love you too, mister. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing this, and thank you for doing this for everybody that's listening out there. You're very you welcome. And thank, you, and thank you for listening. Thanks for calling in. Cool. Very cool. Again, you can call us here at the show, 347-215-9442. There was um, another question that I had. You know, you're very vocal about, you know, living with HIV and being positive on Facebook, on Twitter, and, you know, you're on YouTube. And just recently um, you became a part of the POS-IM team here on the network, so I'm excited to have you aboard um, to be a part of the team. What? backlash have you gotten from being so public? Have you gotten any negative responses? You know, I used to pay attention, but now, I mean, <laughs> I everyone is everyone is entitled to their opinion, just as I would say, or just as Jeremy earlier was talking about um, John Carter, the movie, like, he, like everyone can have their opinion. Regardless right. if I agree with it or not, yeah, it's difficult at times to date. It's difficult to meet people. It's difficult with being such having such an open past, and I really don't have any secrets. It's difficult to, at times, but now I'm just to the point where I know who I am and I love myself, and nothing or anybody is really going to get in my way of it. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Have, um, now, okay, so is your, um, you know, like, the rest of your family, cousins and things like that, are they on Facebook? Have they had any kind of response? Um, I don't have much of my family on my Facebook, which is, which it kind of, I mean, I'm not in, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've, I mean, you both have been, everyone has probably seen my topless videos on YouTube or have seen uh-huh. pictures of me and all the scandalous, you know, I'm, I'm always naked. But um, other than that, I don't really have much of my extended family on my Facebook, but we we do stay in contact, and most of them do know my um, HIV status, and they've been really supportive. And a couple of them ask me here and there how I'm doing. But I mean, I've got a really close family. So. Well, I think that's great that they're somewhat supportive. You know, to you, I think it's important. You know, as somebody living with HIV, to know that that support's there if you need it. And you know, from the support and the love that you have from your parents, I think that's incredible because a lot of people with HIV don't have that kind of. Um, you know, support from their parents. So to kind of hear that story, it gives people hope who may be sitting here listening to the show and debating on wanting to uh, tell their parents for the first time or whether or not because they hear the horror stories of people being, you know, maybe disowned or thrown out of their house or whatever the situation they hear, whatever the story may be. So to hear a positive story that your parents were supportive, it's something that I think people need to hear who are newly diagnosed and debating on telling their parents or how to do it. You know what I mean? Well, you may not have had you know, the luxury of doing it the way you wanted right. to. And, you know and, what I mean? And also, but, Robert, and, and also, Robert I, I think that when people hear the positive stories come out and they hear, you know, the personal stories, and, and, and regardless if somebody had a bad experience somewhere along the line, they realize, I, I think when people hear that, you know, that, you know, as a, as a person, that you are strong enough to carry on. Right. I think that in itself gives people hope. Well, you know, I've always said, and everyone asks me, and like, it's it, it, it's just weird. Like, I've posted on my, I've actually blogged about it. It's so weird to hear different people's stories about broken families or their parents getting the divorce or them being disowned. Because, I mean, people ask me, well, isn't it weird because you believe in God and because your parents do what they do? It's like, like, why didn't they kick you out? And it's like, I guess my parents have always told me, like, they love me unconditionally, and they always have, and, they, and they've always supported me. And there's been times I've screwed them over royally, and there's times I wonder why they let me back in the front door. But 
I think to those of you out there who do, who maybe are scared to reach out to your family, I would, I mean, if you are my age, I definitely would advise it. And maybe, I mean, everyone has a different circumstance or a different story, but I think family is something that is always going to be there. Friends come and go. Sometimes your boyfriend or your girlfriend may come and go, but when the day comes to an end, your family is always going to be your family, and and sometimes you'll be surprised, but your parents most likely will support you. So, you know what, you're right, Michael. And um, I got to tell you that there are those, um, and, and because what, what, and I wanted to go back to a little bit about what you said about believing in God. Yeah, um, your belief in God is not organized religion and where I think where a lot of folks tend to um, get confused is the, the organized religion part of it. Right. Um, and uh, you can have a very deep personal relationship with God or the goddess or um, uh, Buddha or, or the Hindu or Hindi. Right. Um, you know, it, it depends on where you come from. Right. You know, or if you have this, you know, this deep relationship with Christ, this personal relationship with Christ, it, it, it is, it's, it's the, it's how people interpret those, those, uh, those connections. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right in, in some respects that, um, you know, people, you know, the boyfriends and girlfriends come and go. But I will tell you, um, having you know, several many years on you as a senior. Oh my God, I feel senior. So <laughs> Whatever. Oh Lord. Yeah. Oh, no, you're not. Uh, oh my God, honey, I am twenty years older than you. I doubt I that. I could be your poppy. Oh. Oh God. <laughs> what do you mean you doubt <laughs> that? Oh. Listen. Oh. Anyway. Anywhere. Where I was going with this is is that uh, you do pick the people. To who are and, and and you might not know this right now, but you do pick people to be in your life. Correct. Um, uh, who will be there for 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 a lasting time? And 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 I have to tell you that you know um, I think you are one of the luckiest of all, uh, of us all because you were picked by two parents who wanted you and who loved yep. you, regardless. And and that is um, and and if your mom and dad are listening right now, uh, that is you right now are an amazing testament to that. And um, so so congratulations on that on that respect. And what an amazing set of parents that you have that picked you, knowing that you are who you are. So um, that's, thank you very that's much. Awesome. You're very thank welcome. You. Yep. If I, I may add on to that, quick, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Michael. No, I wasn't. Go I don't know what Jeremy said about picking people. I mean, there's that saying that you are who you hang out with, but people seldomly forget the factor that you have the choice to hang out with who you want to hang out with. You have the exactly. choice to be who you want to be, and people use that excuse of, oh, well, I, you know, like, I mean, you are who you hang out with, but I think that's just an excuse to not own up to being who you want to be in life. I think well, everyone has the potential to be amazing and be who they want to be, and everyone's beautiful. You just have you know, to take take responsibility for the fact that if you want to hang out with crappy people, and you're you know, gonna, then you're going to deal with crappy things. Exactly. Right? So it's it's that, it, it, you know, it, it's, it goes back to, and I think we've talked about this before on the show, of, um, of uh, choices and consequences. Uh, a consequence can be good or bad, right. but the 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 whole per the, the whole meaning of a consequence is you have to deal with them, exactly. regardless of, of of what they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we all make choices in our lives. We all decide to do things, you right. know whether it be a boneheaded thing or whether it be the the most brilliant thing you know even Stephen Hawking hasn't thought of, but. Um, Okay, so Stephen Hawking, for those of you who don't know, he's a paraplegic and he's brilliant. Um, anyway, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, we can we can decide to murder someone or we can right. decide to take that same person in and give them food and water and, and, and love them 
or or we can give them a dollar or or something. But it, it's all the, it's all in the the choices that we make. But we have to live with those with those consequences, right. either good or bad. But those and if I may, and I mean, if you want me to end on that, you know, but those choices and those consequences do not have to define you. And I think that's something as well. Like myself and my past, I let everything weigh me down, and I chose to let the consequences of my actions define who I was or the person who I thought I was going to be. And that's why I think I was stuck in that, you know, rut for, I mean, I say so long, it was only like a year, but year and a half. But regardless, I think that's why some people are just stuck in that habit day to day is because they have this guilt trip on themselves that, okay, I have HIV or, oh, I'm doing drugs, so I have to keep doing this. Or I think people are just sometimes even afraid to, to step out of their comfort zone and step away from that norm of what they're used to. So by yeah. of his 22 yeah. years. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, one of the things I did want to uh, uh, pass on was a, a message from Daniel Bauer, and uh, he wanted me to let you know that um, it's not yesterday's that define who we are. It's today that defines who we are. So he Very wants good. you to remember that, and that's a great thing for everyone. And um, I want to uh, have the final question with you, and the question I want to ask you is, what advice would you give to somebody who may be newly diagnosed and listening to this show, what would you tell them? For those of you who are newly diagnosed, I would say don't be afraid. Um, this day and age, there are way too many resources available. There are people like myself. There are people like Jeremy and Robert. There are people all over the place, like even your best friends that you can go and talk to. And you may be afraid to talk to your friends, but, you know, I was so afraid to tell my friends. And the moment I did those three people that I told are still in my life and are my best friends in the whole world. And you just, you know, there can be really crappy days and there may be days that you're on meds and it sucks and it's horrible and you feel like crap, but, you know, each and every day is a new day and it does get better each and every day. Well, I think that is incredible. So, Michael, people can find you on Twitter at Michael S. Lloyd and uh, your web address one more time for people. It is giving hope one day at a time dot blogspot dot com. There you go. We'll put that in the chat room. We'll link it on the Facebook page and we'll we'll share that all around so people can find you there. Michael, thanks for coming on and, and sharing your story and being so brave. Thank you very much for having me. And and one more thing before Michael goes, and I hope sure. his parents are listening, is that um the the parents of, of Michael, I, I just uh, personally, this is Jeremy, and I want you to know that you have an amazing, an amazing son um, who has overcome quite a lot in his short 22 years, and I can imagine what he's going to uh, accomplish in his next 22. So congratulations to you, Michael. Thank you very much. Yes, Michael, thanks for calling in and hanging out with us for the hour. Have a great night, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. Cool. So, again, uh, you can, uh, Michael S. Boyd on Twitter, follow him, uh, tweet him. Um, he has a lot to say, and you'll love his videos. Oh, um, amazing, amazing. He's an amazing, uh, you know what, I'm going to say this, and it's going to make me sound like, you know, he's an amazing kid, but he's also an amazing man. He's 22 years old, he's an amazing man, and he's got, I, I cannot wait to see what he has accomplished in the next 22 years. Granted, yeah, I'm I agree. I can't wait to see um, what he does, too. Um, and like I said, mm-hmm. he just became a part of uh, the Podland family over on the social network. So go to Podland.com and you can – yeah, and he'll be posting, and he does a lot of cool stuff there. So check that out over there for him, too. He'll be very active over there, I'm sure. Um, we have 90 seconds left. I just want to go through down the rundown of some upcoming shows. We have some really big uh, cool guests coming on the shows coming up uh, next week. Um, we will be have a special Father's Day show. Jack will be joining me, and we'll be speaking with a Michael Kern, who has a new book coming out. He's going to talk about being an HIV-positive father, an actor, and an author. Um, on the 24th, uh, Jeremy will be joining me back, and we'll be going to be speaking with Nick Rhodes, who was um, the last person featured in HIV is not a crime, who we did not get to interview. So Nick is um, in that documentary. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, Robert, Robert. I might but, be on an airplane on the 24th, but we'll talk okay. about that. Well, yeah, we'll figure that out. He's going to talk about yeah. HIV criminalization on the 24th of June. Um, the next day, I believe, is July 1st, and we're going to have the uh, author of uh, My Pet Virus, Sean Decker, on. He's going to come on and talk about his new CD, his uh, band, Authentic, oh, I forget, Synthetic Division, coming out with a new book, uh, CD. 
And then listen to this. This is the one that we were promoting for people to listen to. They might find out. July 8th, we are going to be – I have it pending. It's almost definite. We're going to actually be speaking with uh, Timothy Brown, the Berlin patient. The first man cured of HIV is going to come on in. Really? Are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. So July 8th, Mark wow. Um And, and, and we've about talked about him a few times, actually, yeah, on the show. So, We'll be oh, yeah. sharing his story July 8th. Um, more information on Jeremy Dunn, go to PositivelySpeaking.com. More information on myself and the show, you can go to POSIM.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week when we speak with Michael Kearns. Have a great night, Jeremy. We love you all, and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye.